this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with our first ever Phillies postseason preview episode. We told you last time we were going to do it as we talked about the celebration, the the clincher. The Phillies are in the wildcard series in the postseason for the first time since 2011. Starting on Friday, they will face the St. Louis Cardinals in a best of three series. As always, I have my co-host Nathan Ackerman to join me. We're going to break down the series, get into the specifics. Nathan, how are you doing? What are you thinking about this series as it's, it's finally upon us. It's finally upon us. I'm doing great. You know, Ty, every time we do a podcast, I always love talking with you. Of course, I am so excited for this one. I was like, I was doing my notes and I was prepping all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like we're actually doing it. Like you said, we are actually doing a postseason preview podcast. I never thought the day would come, but this is, dude, I live for this stuff. Like who should get the 26th spot on the, on the roster, who has the who has the edge in left field like dude that stuff is so fun for me so i'm stoked it's a fun time um it's yeah good time to be talking baseball yeah like i said it's our first ever time doing this i've been doing this podcast since 2019 so it's our first time talking about a postseason appearance for the phillies but i also think even though phillies nation has been around for a long time the podcast, there's been a few iterations before us of the Phillies Nation podcast. I don't think any of those iterations ever talked about postseason. I, I think it was probably started after 2011. Dude, so, did they even have podcasts in 2011? Did, <laughs> I, think, like, could, I think barely. Could, could you record audio in 2011? Was that a thing? Was there music? I, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's new territory for everybody, but we're going we're gonna to break it down, talk about how we think the Phillies' chances are as they head to St. Louis for either two or three games, all of them on the road. But the Phillies, they they have their top starters lined up. And there's some questions about St. Louis, their starting pitchers. It doesn't seem like they're sure exactly how they're going to go, where it looks like it's going to be Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez for the Phillies. Um, but we're, we're going to break it all down. We're going to get into the roster we're going to break down who we think will make the roster, who are the final cuts, who should be the final cuts, who should be the final ones in. And then we'll kind of look look at the look at both teams, Cardinals and Phillies, see what positions have um, on each side, who has who has the edge at each position, uh, break it down at, at every spot. We'll just kind of give some some thoughts, go over all of it. So Nathan, why don't you why don't you get us started as we as we begin our breakdown? Like I said, like we both said, for the first time ever, breaking down this postseason matchup for the Phillies. All right, let's start with the roster because I think we can we can lay out the roster. We can talk about what the roster should be, how they'll use it, and then we can use that as a jumping off point to go into the position by position breakdown. So 
26 man roster for the playoffs. Uh, you're allowed a maximum of 13 pitchers. Now, Rob Thompson said that the Phillies intend to use all 13. You and I are both in agreement that we don't necessarily think they should do that. Um, I'm mainly coming from a place of like in a three game set, are you really going to need 13 pitchers? You obviously have three starters, 10 guys in the pen. You're going to use like they, they probably, if they have to, will use their, their, their best ones in back to back to back games. You don't even know if you're going to be playing three games, but even if you do, I don't think you need 10 guys in the pen. I'd much rather give that extra spot to somebody else on the bench who are names we can talk about in a sec. Do you, are you kind of of the same opinion that they should probably go 14, 12, 12 on the pitching side? Yeah, I I think definitely like, like you mentioned only need for three starters. There are probably a couple names that have started, but could be used out of the bullpen could be used as, as long men, or maybe even in, in certain spots, like just as one inning guys, um, we, we can get into the specific names in a little yeah. bit, but I think probably it's best utilized with, with 14 position players adding that extra bench bat. Um, I think the guy that or bench can, glove, more important yeah. bench gloves, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Either, either one, uh, depending how you're going to use them. But I, I think, I think the split that, that you mentioned there with 14 position players, it probably will serve that would serve them a little bit better, but. I guess we'll have to see exactly how they, they lay it out. So, yeah, but we can, we can want to go over. Do you want to go over like the guys we just think are, are automatic locks to make the roster, at least on the position player side for now. Yep. Let's just lay it all out there. So we'll go with the assumption that they go 13, 13, even though we think that it should be 14, 12, we'll go 13, 13. So for the locks and I'm not, this isn't listed like in order of who's the biggest lock, but I kind of went like position by position. Um, So you have, JT and Stubbs. Then you have Hoskins, Gene, Stott, Bohm, uh, Schwarber, Castellanos, Veerling, Marsh, and Harper. So those are 11 locks. It's basically the regular starting lineup plus Veerling and Stubbs. Fair. Yeah. Yes. Fair. Okay. Yeah. No arguments. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Really... I don't think anyone would argue with you right there. No, I don't. I don't think like the, the, the least lock on there is probably like Veerling, but I can't imagine a world in which they take Veerling off the roster for like Guthrie. So they're all locks. Those yeah. those 11 will be 11 of the 13 on the roster. And then the last two spots are probably going to be two of these four, which is Nick Maton, uh, Hall, Sosa, and Guthrie. Yeah. So now Edmundo Sosa, we don't quite know if he's going to be healthy yet. I don't think the team knows either. But let's op- operate under the assumption that he he is. Um, and then those those last two roster spots come down to Maton Hall, him and Dalton Guthrie. I think, do you want to start or should I go? You can go ahead. Okay, so my two, I would go Maton and Hall. Um, I think I think Hall, the way, especially the way that the Cardinals like back end of the bullpen is, there's a lot of right-handers there. Uh, they might be getting some more lefties on the way like genesis cabrera jojo might make the playoff roster which would be kind of fun but there's a lot of right-handed guys there uh and i think i think hall off the bench would be 
you know, we've we've talked about it a lot. The kind of guy, well, Matt stares. He feels like if if any's if anybody's going to be a, a a Matt stares, it'll be Hall. Um, just the way that he can change a game, change a series with one swing of the bat. I think you got to have him on the roster there. And then Nick Maton would be my other guy. Uh, he can play, like I guess he can play right. He didn't look great out there Wednesday in the season yeah. uh, finale, but he can play second. He can play short in a pinch he can play third if you need him to he can also handle himself with the bat against both righties and lefties and he's also what's nice what's nice is that basically anything is an upgrade over your usual starting right fielder when it's Nick Cassiano so even if he doesn't look great like it, it it works true true particularly from the defensive side but honestly at this point also from the offensive side so those are those are my two. And then also, he's just a guy that, I don't know, it seems like he's fun to have there and the team rallies around him. Not that he's like the guy in the clubhouse, but, you know, they were they were cheering for him against Phil against Phil Maton earlier this afternoon. And they they like him. And I don't know. He barks at people and that's fun, I guess. So those are those yeah. are my two. I mean, either, either way, I think he'll he'll be traveling with the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only one I can't really see making the roster if they do go with 13 spots is Dalton Guthrie. Uh, I can see a case for Edmundo Sosa over Maton, and especially if you think he's going to hit the way that he was before he got hurt. I just don't know if you're going to get the same magic, like the, the, the track record isn't really there. The good thing is, if you're looking for a glove first guy, if that's the priority there, you go with Edmundo Sosa because he's a highlight reel out there. So I wouldn't yeah. be, I, 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 wouldn't blame them or think that they're completely in the wrong if they go with him over Maton. I would probably go Maton and Hall. I think Hall's the only one where I'm like, he has to be on the roster. And then Maton over Sosa, I can understand the opposite. Dalton Dalton Guthrie's been good. He feels like the odd man out here. Yeah. So so for me, I think there is still a slim chance that Guthrie makes this roster if Sosa is not good to go, if they want to have another right-handed bat other than Veerling, because Maton and, and Hall are both left-handed hitters, obviously. Yeah. To me, to me, it feels like like Hall is going to be the odd man out. I, I really? think that it does. I think that they most likely I think Maton is close to a lock. That's just kind of like my read on it and, and my hunch. I think I think Maton is close to a lock and that it's go I think it's going to be um either Edmundo Sosa or Dalton Guthrie and Hall is going to be the the odd man out. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the right way to go for the reasons that you mentioned in a short series, the way that he's able, like it, at least on paper, able to come in and, and change a game with, with one swing, like the, like the power that he has that not a lot of players on the team or in baseball, honestly have um, just to be able to come in. And like, if you, if you're in a spot where you absolutely need a home run, they're not, many players that you'd rather have at least against right-handed pitching so i i would go operating only the assumption that there will only be two of these guys if i had to pick only two i think it would be well that's tough honestly i think it would be mayton and hall if i had to pick two just because sosa has been out for a while if if we were going with what we would do 14 I think Maton, Hall, and Sosa would all be on on the roster for these games. Yeah. But, the but only like thing said, is they, they've they've kind of signaled that they're going to go with thirteen pitchers, and I, I yeah, don't, I don't know if that's the right call. 
the appeal for Dalton Guthrie is if you don't put him on the roster, if you choose Maton or if you choose Hall Sosa, but especially Sosa over Maton, it leaves you kind of thin in the outfield from a defensive perspective because you have the starters who presumably will be Schwarber, Marsh, Castellanos, and then Veerling. You don't have a fifth guy. I don't know if you really need like yeah, two so, so like kind of outfielders. Play the, Sosa, Sosa can, can kind of, and Maton can kind of. Um, but like if if you're looking for a late game defensive sub, that's why Guthrie would be on the roster. I don't know if that's a valuable enough, like you know, role to have to to spend a whole roster spot on, especially if you're going to go with a five man bench yeah. or a four man. What's bench. funny is that Guthrie is like also a natural infielder. Like really only yeah. this, this is his first time playing the outfield, like completely full time. Like, and he's a lot looked of, pretty lot of good. Infielders. Yeah. Yeah. He can yeah. definitely do it. Just a lot of infielders in in this yeah. mix. Yeah. But. I think, I just think they have to go hall. Like I, th- I think it, it might be kind of telling the way that they just kept him in triple a for the last several weeks that they don't really see him being a part of the postseason roster, but. Or maybe that, they thought that they just wanted to, give him at bats to stay fresh for the postseason rather than maybe have them be really scarce throughout September. Yeah. But I, could, I don't know. I could understand it's, it's, it. It was more. weird. It was definitely weird. Yeah. I could understand leaving him off the roster more if we're talking about the next round where they're playing the Braves and it's like lefties everywhere. And when is Hall realistically going to hit? But now it's like the Cardinals have one, maybe two left-handers in the pen. They're probably going to come on to face uh, Schwarber Harper at the top of the lineup anyway. It's not really a spot where Hall's going to find himself. So there's going to be an, an an opportunity for him to face a righty late in a game. It's probably going to be close. It feels like a natural role for him. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. Should we go to the pitching? Let's do it. So again, 13 pitchers. These these locks, I'll I have nine nine locks here. You could argue that there's nine or ten. Uh these again aren't in order of who's you know the best or like the most of a lock, although it does start with that guy, which is Jose Alvarado. And then we've got Robertson, uh Dominguez, Bilotti, Eflin, Falter, Nola, Wheeler, Suarez. So you have the three starters who are presumably going to start the first three games or you know, if there are three games, but the three starters, and then you have six guys in the pen in Alvarado, Robertson, Sir Anthony, Bilotti, Eflin, Falter. And then, so that, that would leave you with nine pitchers. And then you have yeah. four of Fal- the Falter maybe like just under a lock, like just under a lock. Like if Brad Hand is, I we guess. have Brad Hand yeah. as a question mark. Brad, we have Brad Hand as a question mark because of his health, but it seems like he could come off the injury list. I, I think there's maybe a yeah. world where Brad Hand's healthy and they leave Falter sure. off, but I think he's like really close to a lock. I think for the for the purposes of choosing at least what we would do, if we made Falter not a lock, he would probably be our first guy off the non-lock list. Correct. So we'll put him in Correct. the pen. And then yes. we'll go. So those are nine guys right there, nine of the 13. Brad Hand, if he's healthy, he's a he's a lock. So that leaves you with three or four, uh, depending on 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 Brad Hand's health, out of Connor Brogdon, Kyle Gibson, Nick Nelson, uh, Noah Syndergaard, and Chris Davinsky. I put on there. I guess those yeah. are your. They, they those just are your they five. just optioned him. They just they just him. optioned him for Plasmeyer. Can they bring him back yeah. up for the playoffs? I believe so. Okay, I'm not sure. Don't, I don't, don't think quote me on that. Either way, he's I don't out think, either way. I think he's yeah. He's out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not part of this. So out of those, out of those five, 
let's say hands healthy. I'm going with Brogdon, Nelson, Syndergaard for the last um, three spots. If hands not healthy, you have Brogdon, Nelson, Syndergaard, and then it's between Kyle Gibson and Chris Davinsky. Uh, At that point, I'm going Davinsky. I think they would go with Gibson if it came down to that. But I don't yeah. see how Kyle Gibson can be on a postseason roster right now. No, he has he has no business being on a postseason roster right now. He was awful in September. Like we we don't have to sugarcoat it. He was awful. Gave them no shot to win in basically any of his starts. And it's not like his stuff's going to play up if he's in the bullpen. No, it's just he he was basically there to eat up innings in games that they got blown out. That was yeah. and saved the bullpen. Yeah, and it, the part it that... can't be Kyle Gibson. If there's one point no. to to take away from this uh, entire podcast is like Kyle Gibson cannot be on this roster. It makes no sense. No. It you can't just punt on a roster spot if they if they only carry thirteen position players so they can roster Kyle Gibson. Like what? What is the yeah. what is the reason? The there, only the, strategy? the the only role he could have on a playoff roster would be if they're getting blown out and they just want to eat seven innings. But at that point, you're not using the pen, which means you're like in a three game series, your your bullpen shouldn't be taxed at any point. You shouldn't have a need for that. And if it is, that's what Noah Syndergaard's for, or that's what Bailey Falter could be for. Or you could you could piece those innings together. Or Nick Nelson. You don't need Kyle Gibson on, on the if roster. you're really getting blown out, like that's what Nick Maton's for if he makes a roster. That's true. That's true. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if they have Nick Nick Maton on the mound and like say it's say it's their first playoff game in eleven years and it ends with Nick Maton on the mound. Uh, would be, <laughs> It'd be awesome. It'd be hilarious. Okay, so so we have those nine and then and then let's say hands hands healthy. I've got Brogdon, Nelson, Syndergaard. Are you going the same? Yeah, I am. Do you and think the team will do that? I kind of... I don't know. It kind of feels... I think Cinder, I think they're like a little closer on Syndergaard than Gibson than I would be, personally. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of what I think. Yeah. What's your I think your I, I think they still lean Syndergaard, but like to me it's I, not a yeah. question. And to yeah, them, I think they're I, still I'm having in, internal conversations about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually think I think I put Connor Brogdon as not not a lock. I think he's like if there was a, a gray area between not a lock and, and a lock, Connor Brogdon would probably be there. I don't I don't he's, see them I don't think he, like, he I I agree, but like it's not like he's like really earned the lock spot. No, no. And he's probably one of your last options in the pen. He's not pitching in a game that's within five runs in a best of three. Not, not unless things go south. Very like so. It, if you have to use a bunch of arms in one game or something, or I, I don't know, it's uh, extra innings, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Real quick for you here, let's say Brad Hand's not healthy. You go Brogdon, Thor, Nick, Nick Nelson, and then you have a one more spot for either it's, it's Kyle Gibson, Gibson or Gibson. Chris Davinsky. It'll be Gibson. It's probably Gibson. I'm I'm going Chris Davinsky there, but they they'd probably go with Gibson. Yeah. Again, well, I don't. They I don't think. Da- I don't. Can it be Davinsky? I think it can if they can call him back. I might be wrong, but hey, what if about, they can, what about Plasmeyer? Well, 
if he pitched his way into roster consideration, he's like, he won't even have enough rest because he threw like seven innings this <laughs> afternoon. That's true. But he did look fine. Uh, okay. I think that kind of covers it with the with the roster. So we have the 11 obvious on the position player side. And then are we both going Maton Hall? Um, yeah. If, if, that, if it was up to me, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then we're in agreement on the pitching side too. Real quick. I heard, I don't know where I saw this, but I saw it on Twitter somewhere. Somebody saying, Veerling starts in right over over Castellanos. Do you think there's a chance that they do that? No. Me neither. No, I I don't. Cool. Now, should they? Should they? That's a different. It is different a different question. That is different, different question. question. That's a different question. I. It's like Nick Castellanos in general this season has not really like earned the the no. spot on either side uh but i think the way that they'd be leaning is, is to start him because of you know his past and what he's shown throughout his career not really this season but i i think at least at least for the start it would it would, he would get the nod but i like for the most part who would you do, who would like give you a better a better chance of of winning if like Nick Castellanos out there or like a strict platoon of Nick Maton and Matt Veerling? What do you think? I mean, which one gives you more upside, Castellanos for sure? Which one do you think gives you the the better chance to win one individual ball game or two of three individual ball games? There's a case that yeah. it's Castellanos that it's that it's Veerling and Maton. Yes. Yes. And just to, to, sorry, to circle back to the Davinsky point, he was in the organization before September. Um, so it kind of depends on like IL status for people, but there yeah. is a, a chance he could be on the roster, but I don't think he will be. Seems doubtful. Okay. Roster looks good. Again, we think they, they should go 14, 12, but they probably won't. Should we yes. do position by uh, position breakdowns see who has who has the edge at each spot between the Phillies and the Cardinals yeah let's do it all right let's start on the catching side Yadier Molina Hall of Famer real quick yes or no um yeah yeah probably Yadier I, I think like, I Molina think he's a lot. versus versus JT Real Muto I've got edge Philadelphia yeah, that's an edge towards I think that one's, that one's by like a clear. pretty significant margin at this point. The only reason I don't give it a huge edge is like I think postseason experience is is valuable. And JT has none, and but more importantly, Yachty has a ton. Yeah. I think JT is just like miles better. better at this point. Yeah, yeah. That is true. First base, Paul Goldschmidt versus Reese Hoskins. <laughs> Toss up. Well, Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> has like slowed down of late. Yeah, but, but he's on. probably going going to win an MVP. I, I think that the Cardinals seem to have the edge on that one. I was I was kind of bummed. Hoskins, um, he entered the game today at seven ninety eight OPS on the season, and he went over three with one walk, but it wasn't enough. Nope, no walks. He went over three, ended it at seven ninety four. I was kind of hoping he'd get above the eight hundred mark. Mm-hmm. Either way, even if he did, big edge St. Louis at first base. Yes. Second base, Brendan Donovan, Gene Segura. 
It's close to a toss-up, I think. I think so, too. I, I think I go slight edge Philly. I think I'll go – I don't know. Talk about – hmm, that's tough. That's tough. I For some reason, I feel like I trust Segura in the spot to just like mm-hmm. – I don't know. I, although he's never made the postseason in his career before now, it just feels like he'll be, he's a guy like his game will translate to the postseason. Like he'll still be able to put the ball in play and he'll play a good second base and his arm's still going to be really good. So I think I'm kind of with you. Slight, slight edge towards Gene, but it's close. 773 OPS in the regular season for Brendan Donovan with a 281 batting average. That's fine. That's not yeah, that's good. a that's a good player. Yeah. I I go I go edge to the Phillies for that one. Third base, Nolan Arenado, Alec Bohm. Okay, shortstop, Tommy Edmond <laughs> versus Bryson Stott. Uh I'm going Ed Tommy Edmond is like the weirdest player of, of, of all time because like you look up in, in June and he's like second in the national league in, in war, but he's also has like a 720 OPS. Like that was a yeah. thing at some point this season. I don't know the value there. I guess he plays really good defense, but mm-hmm. that good. I don't know. I go edge edge to the Cardinals for that one. Just cause yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Edmund. He's yeah. been, on, on the whole, he's been a better, he's been above league average hitter, great defender. Um, Stott has like on the whole been pretty below average hitter. Uh definitely had his moments, but gonna go Edmund. Yeah. Me too. Okay, left field, former Philly Corey Dickerson, or I've been hearing some talk too. That makes it sound like I have a source with the Cardinals. I've been reading articles online and tweets. They could go with Juan uh Yepes there. I guess it's like they like Corey's bat more, they like Yepes's defense more. Either way, Kyle Schwarber, I think I'm going big edge to, to the Phillies for that one, especially with how you've seen Schwarber, you know, step up in the big spots and he's got all the postseason experience and he's been pretty good the last few weeks. His OPS, he finished at 827. It was 830 entering play on Wednesday. That's pretty good. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a big edge towards the Phillies there with Schwarber, the NL home run leader. Um just at this point, he's just he's just significantly better than than Corey Dickerson, who had a fine year in St. Louis. It's a shame that he was not healthy with the Phillies. He would have been. He he was a he was he was yeah. a great Philly, a Phillies legend, Corey Dickerson. Fun fun player. Only the played most, thirty. Like, only played thirty four games. Only played thirty four games with the Phillies. Those those were the the trades that Matt Clintock like had some hits on where it was like the injured, like all-star level-ish yeah. guy that was nearing like the, that I think was in the last year of a contract, like Ramos and Dickerson back to back. And they just were not healthy enough. He's one of those guys, like you watch him swing and you're like, how is he good? Cause his swing is so chaotic and it feels mm-hmm. so handsy. Not that I'm trying to be like the, you know, major league caliber hitting coach, but I don't um, know. He looks, he, he looks awkward, but he's, he's good. Uh, yeah. Edge to the Phillies for that one. Center field, Dylan Carlson, Brandon Marsh. Yeah. It's going to, especially the way that Marsh has been swinging the bat recently. Like he's been, he's been more than solid since he um, got traded to Philadelphia. So I'm I'm gonna have to go Marsh. I'm gonna have to go Marsh, um, yeah. just for for all he brings on both sides. He's one thirteen OPS plus. It looks like to, and uh, since since he got traded to 
the Phillies. Uh, that's more than more than solid, and he's a great yep. defender too. Carlson's OPS plus on the season was 100 exactly, 695 OPS. He's fast. He can play. Marshes was 90 on the season. Marshes was 90 on the season. Yeah, but I don't like. Yeah, I don't. I kind of throw out the Angels numbers. It's like he, he, and he and Stott. I just don't really look at their stats, honestly, because they feel fake. Um. Okay. I would go slight edge to the Phillies there. I guess there's a little more upside with the bat. Um, they both play pretty good outfield, but slight edge to the Phillies on that one. And then right field, Lars Newtbar, USC Trojan, I have to add, versus I put Nick Castellanos slash Matt Veerling, but I think we can just go Castellanos here. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think it's probably kind of like you, you mentioned, like who has the best upside, like who has the more potential to just like put it together and go off like maybe Castellanos if everything clicks like it hasn't at all this year but uh, like on the on the whole I think a new bar is probably like more likely to be solid you probably got to go especially with there's only so much work that track record can do but when you have a guy whose OPS was like what do you say 82 points higher and plays good right field like it's I don't know. You kind of got to go with the guy who's having the objectively better season. So I'll give, yeah. I'll give a slight, a slight, slight edge to the Cardinals in right field. Yep. I agree. And then DH, this is going to be fun because you and I are on the same page here. Albert Pujols versus Bryce Harper. This is like the best matchup on the entire field. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm saying, say I'm, it. I have to, I think I have to give the edge to Albert Pujols. Like the yep. way that he's played, the way that he's played recently and also just like generally throughout the season, but especially of late, like the second half push, um, he's just been, he's been really good. He's been really good. And, and I, Harper has not been swinging it that well down the stretch since he came back from injury um, kind of in general. I think if you're going off right now, I think it has to be Albert Pujols. And I think it's a lock that if they make it to, if they make it to game three, um, I think he is almost certainly going to hit a home run off Ranger Suarez. Um, and if Brad Hand is healthy, then he's probably going to be taken deep by Albert Pujols at some point in this series. Yeah, I I, I always have flashbacks to the game back in uh, uh, whenever that game was. But but it was it was Hand versus Albert uh, Pujols and like you were watching Hand like float the curveballs in right into the sweet spot it was like dude this is so going and then he hits it and he flies out to like the very back of the warning yeah. track wait under underrated candidate uh, i bailey falter is like if he pitches to albert pujols that's also probably gone yeah i know i just listed all the lefties but like he he's a big fly ball guy too andrew andrew Bellotti would get taken yard i think in a, <laughs> in a huge spot too <laughs> but yeah no i'm gonna go i i think call. you got to give the edge i think you got to give the edge to poofles right now it feels kind of weird to say um, imagine saying last year like at the end of last year that in in a matchup between poofles and harper who one of them ha- hadn't been good in 10 years and one of them just won the mvp that it would go to it would go to poofles but yeah, like it's a, that's harper a just doesn't MVP. look yeah harper doesn't look like himself right now he's not a, he's obviously not a black hole up there but 
like pools is swinging he keeps on he keeps on hitting harper's not quite found his footing yet yeah you can't like you can't discount also just like some of the other stuff that goes with it like maybe yeah. in the last playoff yeah. series at at bush stadium pools back in st louis like i don't know there he's probably going to hit a home run at, at some opportune time or inopportune for the phillies yeah for for every the bit of goes. me that's like yeah, for every piece of me that's like Harper's going to step up in the playoffs and be better than he has been, like that times three for Albert Pujols. So, yeah, yeah, okay. I think I think generally the sense that I'm I'm getting from the lineups here is that the Cardinals are probably more top heavy. The Phillies maybe runs a little deeper, but I think overall the top heaviness, the big bats in Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Pujols. I think it probably gives the Cardinals at least a slight edge in the lineup. Yeah, I would I would probably say so. Just like the combination of it's the combination of Goldschmidt and Arnado and then yeah. also like throw Pujols into that mix is just like the way they're swinging the bats. I mean Goldschmidt not so much lately, but in general throughout the season like that's a it's a lot of damage that can be done from three guys. Pools, can you talk 895 OPS on the season? Like imagine Incredible. three years ago, three years ago, you say that to, to someone, they want to believe you. Yeah. And he's been like an everyday player too. It's not like it's some small, small sample size. Do you know the last um, time, do you know the last time his OPS was 895 or higher? Dude, I think it was his last season with Cardinals 2011. 2011. Yeah. His last season with an OPS over 800 was his first year in in anaheim is 859 in 2012 wasn't his worst ops with the cardinals higher than his best ops with the angels by a significant margin yes his his worst ops was um 2011 when it was 906 and he was um a world series champion (laughs) fun stuff yeah stuff okay can you talk about real quick? Can you say what you read about potential game three? Because I don't think we're going to have another pod before the end of the series. Once if they get to the NLDS, we can figure out our schedule there. But I think this will be the last time we speak to you before the end of the wild card series. So if they get to a game three, you were saying something interesting that you saw about a potential strategy to start game three. Give it to me. Yeah, this was in an article on NBC Sports Philly. Just basically that if it gets to a game three, the Phillies are considering using a right-handed opener in front of Ranger Suarez because of the guys we mentioned that that can kill lefties. And if you can delay that a little bit with Ranger Suarez, maybe face him um, n- not as many times as uh, you could, that, that left-handed matchup, you, you consider it. Um, the names, though, that that were listed in this article were kind of interesting to me is Andrew Bellotti, Nick Nelson, um, and Kyle Gibson. They said Zach Eflin, probably not a candidate there because like, he's going to be one of their back end of the bullpen guys. Um, if it's Kyle Gibson, like what are they doing? It probably shouldn't be Nick Nelson either. Bellotti would be maybe fine. But like you said, Pujols will probably take him deep. I think like the way things are shaking out is like it should be one of Sir Anthony Dominguez or yeah. David Robertson. The, like, so the way that they're they're pitching, I don't know if they're 
exactly locks to be like your seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guys in certain spots. I think it should probably be one of them if you get to that point and you want to go that route. Well, yeah, I mean, the first inning is the only time, or do they bat two four? Like Arenado two, Goldschmidt four. Um, I can two, double three. check, but I think that's usually, yeah, that I think those guys are usually like in the two to four mix. Yeah. So there might only be a few times when you know that you're going to face both of them in an inning. And there's a chance that the first innings like the most important high leverage inning of the game. Well, maybe not high leverage, but like you, you don't, you don't want to get yourself down into a quick two two nothing hole because, you know, Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, the probable MVP totally killed you. So that's why like I get going with the opener, but I, I, I you can't just throw out, you know, your last option in the bullpen and yeah. say like Connor, so, Connor Brogdon, go take down the, the first inning, you know? So um, this past weekend, I, I went to this past weekend because I figured maybe they rested some guys uh, during this week, but on Saturday against Pittsburgh, it was Goldschmidt third, Arnado fourth and Pujols fifth. That is a that was, gauntlet. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So yeah, that's how that's how they laid it out. Yeah. So it's not even like a lock if you start an opener. Like it's no. not a lock that you face them in the first inning. And it's also like if you start an opener, like they could, even if they were considering against the lefty putting Pujols like third or fourth or whatever, like somebody two there. Like they could they see when you announce like who's gonna start, they could move the they can move the batters around. So like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not like, and this, I think it's like not the, like this full, it's not this foolproof strategy. And no. I think if you're going to do it, I think if you're going to do it, that center guard, um, if it's not, if it's not Sir Anthony or, or Robertson, you want to keep them for later innings. Cinder guard is another reliable option. Yeah. Maybe I won't say reliable. Another decent another option. option. <laughs> He's another decent option. Cause at least then he could like theoretically give you two if you need it also. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting stuff. I think also the other like potential concern you could have there is you don't want to throw him into a like get him off of his rhythm as far as Ranger Suarez goes. But I I don't think like the reason I said potential is because like that's not really he's shown that he can pitch in a bunch of different roles and pitch on weird schedules. And also it's the playoffs. And if you can't come in in the second inning rather than the first, you've you've got something to figure out. So yeah, I would be for it if they get to that point. But obviously we'll see if they even get there. Okay, starting pitching side. This is where it gets interesting for the Cardinals because with the Phillies, we know what they're going to do. Wheeler game one, Nola game two, Ranger Suarez game three, if it happens. The Cardinals essentially have said as much as they have like five guys there and they don't know which three they're going to use. It's Miles Michaelis, Jose Quintana, Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty. Which three they don't know, which order they don't know. My guess this is like based on things that I read. I obviously like don't know what they're going to do, but I would guess it's Miles Michaelis game one, Jose Quintana game two, Jordan Montgomery game three with Wainwright Flaherty, the two out. Um, either way, like I, no matter which three it is, no matter which order they pitch in, whoever, I think it's a huge edge for the Phillies right there. We were talking about before we started uh, recording on the pod that like Wheeler Nola, each are obvious candidates to start game one if they're on the Cardinals. Like those two are better than anything the Cardinals have in their staff. And then 
if it gets to a, a game three, if it's like Jordan Montgomery versus Ranger Suarez, I guess you give the edge to Montgomery there. But I don't think it's enough to out, outweigh the obvious one-two punch that the Phillies have on, on the Cardinals. Yeah, and and like you said, um, the Phillies not only like they have these top guys, but uh, also like Suarez. It's just somebody like, even though he hasn't been like outstanding as of late, just a little more reliable than maybe what the Cardinals have. Like Flaherty is hasn't been great. Wainwright, as much as we've talked about, like, oh, like Molina's postseason experience and Pujols, like the way the storybook ending is going. Um, like Wayne, the end of this Wainwright season has like been pretty bad, not quite ending the season like Kyle Gibson, but but pretty pretty rough ending to the season for him. So I don't, after like being kind of their ace for a lot of the year, I don't think Wainwright's going to be in the mix. But yeah, I, I think like especially Wheeler got a lot of time off because they had him on the injured list with uh, an injury that he kind of said a few times that if this was playoff time, he like he would be pitching. But they gave him some time off, and there's a little bit of a scare near the end. Like, are they going to blow this and miss the playoffs? But they're in, and it seems that that small risk has kind of been worth it. And the way that Aaron Nola's throwing the ball right now, like, there's – not many one-two punches that are better right now. It, no. You can look over to um, some other – other. you can look over to a division rival of the Phillies and – They're in Scherzer, shambles. They're like, in shambles. It, they're mostly in shambles. Like Scherzer and DeGrom is like the only – like in the NL, like that's the only other one-two that's, that's going to definitely be better than them. So they've been that – that good they are that good where they're gonna have they're gonna have the pitching advantage in a short series against almost like yeah anybody and that applies to that applies to um that like they're just as good or or better as like any other teams one two for the most part and that applies in a five game series too like any short series like they're, they're gonna because of that they're gonna have a really good shot i also like the handedness to wheeler and uh Nola being righties, um, you know, the Cardinals' three best hitters, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Pujols, like all righties. I think that plays up to the Phillies' favor. I guess like Quintana, Montgomery, if those are two of the three that they choose, like it's a it's a it's a big weekend for Reese Hoskins and Alec Bohm and Nick Castellanos because, you know, tough matchups for Schwarber and Harper. Not that they can't hit lefties, but um, those guys are definitely going to need to pick it up if they do struggle, if those other two do struggle against the lefties. But I still think that having two righties as two of the best pitchers in the in the National League who are both hot right now against the Cardinals lineup, that's very right handed leaning, especially, I mean, you know, at the top. I think that's a huge advantage there. If they go if they go with the two lefties, that would be a good time for Edmundo Sosa to get healthy because it's true. Uh, Basically, basically, right after on this podcast, I pointed out how he actually has never really hit lefties throughout his career. Um, he decided to hit a home run like every time he faced a lefty until he got hurt. Uh, basically, just to let everyone know how stupid I am. So Indeed. I don't know. It, it always, does always like, good to get humbled. Yeah. If Sosa, all right. Let's finish. 
we can get into this thought. I have, I have a thought experiment that I want to do, but we can put it off until we're done with these, uh, with these comparisons and, and who has the edge. Let's do it. But, you better remember. Cause I'm going to forget. Should we go to the bullpen? Yeah. Um, I did like, so I don't know who exactly the Cardinals are going to go with in the pen. And like, to be completely honest, I can't give you a full scouting like report about the Cardinals pen. So I kind of went with the top four guys, um, an estimate of the top four guys. So I, I think it's Ryan Helsley who was pulled on Tuesday, but it seems precautionary. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, who would be in, an interesting matchup with Bryce Harper. He was the one who hit him in the, in the wrist slash face last year that knocked Harper out for a couple weeks. And then Jordan Hicks, it also sounds like is going to be coming back from injury soon. I don't know if that's a lock, but it sounds like a possibility. And if he's in the, in the, in the bullpen, he's disgusting uh, versus Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, David Robertson, and Zach Eflin right now has to be one of your top four options. So if we're going with the, with the top four, which I think is probably the most important in a best of three, because you can use all of those guys, at at least twice if not more um like slight edge to the phillies there i think just because alvarado like you can make the case he's been the best reliever in the sport for the last couple months and then having zach eflin back there too he's looked really good sir anthony robertson i mean you know they haven't looked great recently but as your third and fourth options if that's what they are fine I just think that like the one, two, and especially the one there without, with uh, Alvarado, that's their, their, their bullpen's looking. Okay. I, I think I'm going to go with like a very slight edge to the Cardinals. Um, Helsley is just so Helsley. Good. Yeah. Helsley is, is really, really like unreal. He's so good. Um, Gallegos, another a good year. And you know, the stuff that Cabrera and Hicks have, uh, Alvarado and Eflin like look pretty untouchable right now, but I think the the question marks that kind of surround Sir Anthony Dominguez and David Robertson at, at this point kind of like makes me a little bit hesitant yeah. there. If the top two guys, I like even with how good Helsley is, um. I think I'm going with Alvarado and Eflin right now. If it was just the top two guys, but it's kind of the uncertainty beyond that that makes me a, a little hesitant. Not to say that, like like you said, we're not keeping up with like the day to day on the Cardinals relievers, and, and like maybe some of these other guys have had like rough patches near the end of the season too. Where I don't know if people who cover the Cardinals are, are looking like, oh, it's Anthony Dominguez, like he's clearly like really good. They don't have the same concerns that that we do as people who watch all the Phillies games and cover this team. So that's just kind of, kind of my thoughts right now. I think it is close though. Like that these top four guys, like all have for, for both teams, like all eight have, have good stuff. Um, In Robertson's case, like the stuff isn't overpowering, like, like some of the others, but he has a lot of postseason experience, a lot of experience in general. He knows how to pitch, use his stuff. Well, um, I don't know. It, it's pretty pretty even, but maybe I give a slight nod to to St. Louis. Yeah, I can I can see that. The only thing is, I I'm Hicks is coming back from an injury. It hasn't been long, but he's been sidelined for I think the last fifteen days or so. Um, and then 
Cabrera, I believe, was like a questionable add to the roster. They're just a super right-handed bullpen. So I don't know, like if if you get in a late game spot and it's like, you know, you're facing the top of the of, of the lineup, Schwarber one, Harper three, Jojo Romero could honestly be in that spot or Cabrera or it's like I don't know I I I think from a from a handedness perspective again I think the Phillies have the advantage here but if you're going purely arms like top of the bullpen arms going against Ryan Helsley is not you know I can't be mad at you for that and then kind of the questions there with the Phillies three and four spots three four plus are kind of well, question marks there too. So I can see it. I would still go slight edge to the Phillies just because I think that the like it, it, Zach 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 Eflin's really like the the biggest thing here. If he can be what he's been the last couple of weeks, you have two basically lockdown arms at the back of the bullpen, one yeah. for each one one you know one, one left one from, from each side. Yeah. yeah. So, but I can I can see it. I think overall the pitching advantage as a whole, starting and the bullpen goes to the Phillies just because the starting rotation is very much in their favor yep i agree should we predict the best of three do you want to do lineups real quick i think they're going to go with the regular lineup i was like out on kyle schwarber hitting hitting lead off for the last couple of weeks but i think he's he has to be back there now just because he's yes. been super good the last few weeks and this is let's be completely honest it's a, it's a team of guys who have most of them have never been there him hitting the leadoff homer in 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 Houston on Monday and in Washington in Game Two on Saturday. That's like that's important stuff. And if you can have that to like lead off a postseason, you know, best of three, that's that's big. I think Schwarber has to be there. Yep, completely agree. Cool. And then the rest is just going to be regular, I'm sure. Schwarber. Yeah. Then yeah. Anyway, all right, let's do it. Who wins? Best of three. How many games? Who's going on to face the Braves? All right. So predicting a three game series, obviously, like there's a lot that can that can happen and you never really know. I I really like I feel like the Phillies are going to win in three. Like that's kind of that's kind of my feeling. I think the Phillies are going to win. We said this on the last pod and we talked about it all like all September as things were starting to to tail off where. I think we sounded the alarms of like, this is like approaching collapse if it's not a collapse already. And I think some of the pushback is like, oh, well, how you end the season doesn't exactly predict how you'll do in October. And I think my retort then would have been, well, they have to get to October. Like they can't collapse to the point where they miss the playoffs. Yeah. They didn't do that. And I think those people do have a point that it doesn't matter what happened three weeks ago when they were playing really bad. What, what matters is that they're in now and even better, their top two pitchers um, are, are looking healthy. And like you said, their leadoff hitter, Kyle Schwarber is hitting the absolute hell out of the baseball right now. And I, I think that puts them in a really good spot and for other things to fall into place where I think they are, they're going to be able to, to win a series here. And I think the most important, I, I think the biggest thing, like, yeah, it's not realistic to expect them to win the World Series. And I think a lot of people, myself included, would consider that, like, this season has been a success. But if they can bring, if they can get to a point where they bring a, a postseason game back 
into Citizens Bank Park at home, by make it into the NLDS and get a chance to play at home again. I think that would be like a real win for everybody. Uh, and I think I think they're going to be able to do that. I, I really do. Like that's really my feeling right now. I think they're going to get it done too. I think they're going to do it in two games, and that's not because I think that they're so much better than the than the Cardinals. I just I I really like Wheeler game one. Like I like the matchup. I like he's been good. He's obviously like you know it's not a lock that he goes out there throws eight innings one run. But I like the right handedness against Pujols, Paul Goldschmidt, and uh, Nolan Arenado. I I like. I, I feel like Kyle Schwarber is going to lead it off with the homer. It's just like a weird feeling, but I felt like it was going to happen on uh, opening day or that wasn't my like original take, but a lot of people said that. And then Houston happened, Washington happened. It just feels like he's going to set a, su- a super good tone, score early, get a couple runs. Wheeler's going to close it out or not close it out, but he's going to, you know, roll with it. And then they have a pretty good pen to save the lead late. Um and then I like Nola game two also. I was talking about last week on the pod. He feels like a guy who rides the wave and when they need him to be a stopper, he's not really been the stopper, but when the team's hot, he's going to keep them rolling. You kind of saw it in Houston on Monday. They had just taken three or four from the Nationals. What looked like a free fall in two days became their magic numbers one. And then he goes out, he's perfect through six and two thirds and he just looks awesome. He looks great right right now. So I think they win game one behind Wheeler and then largely because of that, but also because uh, Nola's good, he's just good. They're going to win game two. I think they get it done in two games. If it goes to game three, I think that's where I get a little concerned. Yeah, I definitely, I can feel that. Um, I just... I think the Cardinal, like their lineup is, is really good. I think there's going to be a game somewhere where like they combination of Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, Arenado, like they do enough to, to get a win here. But I think the Phillies, like the way that they've played, the, the way their most important players are, are playing right now. Like I think, I think they just, I think they have a good shot. I, I really do. I do too. Because just just to clarify, well, we don't need to get into talking about what would happen if they play the Braves. So we can do that on the next pod. Yeah. But should we go? Should we go around the league super quick before we wrap up? There's some other interesting. Yeah. I still I still have that round. that thought experiment that I came up with. We can. Oh yeah, thank you. Point. See, I I was right. I did I did forget. Go for it. You want? Do you want to hit around the league first, and that we can wrap up with that? Sure. Um, I think the Guardians beat the Rays in. Uh, three. I think the Blue Jays beat the Mariners in three. Phillies beat the Cardinals, as we said, in two. And I think the Mets beat the Padres in two. Um, I let me see what I switch. I'm gonna go with the Rays. Gonna go with the Rays in three. And the other ones, other than the games, I think I'm pretty much with you. But like I we said before, go... it's it's three games. So like we could honestly like be wrong about Anything. all of these. Yeah. We could be wrong about we could look we could say these people listening, they're gonna at the end of this weekend, they're gonna say so you guys don't know anything. And but that's just the way it is in three games. Anything can happen. Do you want to know something? I, I didn't want to say this because I didn't want to admit it. My bracket last year, I tried to be bold with, with some of my picks. I got every first round matchup wrong. And therefore, every other matchup wrong too. Nice. So maybe, maybe everybody's listening is like, "Oh no, he picked the Phillies. That's can't be a good thing." But it's it's a different year. Yes, yes, for sure. And um, 
I was talking about this with with uh, Johnny Heller yesterday, who used to host this podcast. Also, um, Schwarber last year led. Uh, he he's had a home run. He had a home run in the wild card game with the Cubs, um, and then last year he hit a home run in the wild card matchup with the Red Sox. Um, it's no longer just the wild card game, but. Kyle Schwarber, wild card round. Maybe, maybe he's due, especially the way that he's uh, been swinging the bat. Like I mentioned, I just wanted to mention that. You're certainly right. Thought right, experiment. Thought experiment. All right. I was thinking about this when when you said Romero could be on the roster, JoJo Romero, yeah. and I was I it popped in my head that like Sosa has to be on the roster if that if that's the case. Like there needs to be a Sosa yeah. Romero matchup. And then that kind of made me think I, who it, it feels like Sosa would homer off him. Like it I definitely don't does. Know, I don't know if you're at a point in the ball game where Jojo's pitching seventh, eighth inning. I don't know if Edmundo Sosa is getting an at bat in that spot. So anyway, I just thought in my head, I thought quickly about a scenario where, where Sosa hits like a home run off Jojo Romero. And then it kind of took me to a different point where like, if Sosa hits a home run in a game, like I think that would, in a game that's like a game winner, like a key home run. Like that's one of those things that because it's been so long and it's their first series. I know what you're going to say. Forever. Like people remember that moment. Like it's not quite stairs level, but people remember when these role players like have a big moment. Who's the, who's the guy to have a moment if they pull it up, if they like pull off a win in this, in this series, the, the bench guy or just the role player. I, I think Hall, if he makes it, is the easy answer. Yeah. But I just wanted to think who is who is your pick for this? I think I think Bryson Stott's gonna hit a big like bloop double down the line that scores two in the eighth to take a lead or something like that. Yeah. Something like I I think I think yeah. I mean, there's there's the obvious people like. Uh, you know, it could be Harper. You could just blast one four fifty into right center. Field. No, no I'm, ta- I think, I'm just talking think, about the the role player yeah, guys, the the guys like, who the guys who turn themselves in, into folk heroes. I think I think there's been a lot of discussion. I mentioned Johnny before. He he talks about some of the guys who like if wow, like if the Phillies were good, these guys had folk hero potential. You think of Brad Miller, some other names mm-hmm. come to mind. Like people, Corey, have, Corey Dickerson. Dickerson. There, there's an opportunity to to make yourself like a household name in the city of Philadelphia, at least like over the next few days. If you're uh, if you're a role player on the Phillies, I thought you were about to project a Edmundo Sosa Wall of Fame induction one day. I was not. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you my my take for this. So I think Stott's a good answer. Um, not quite like a role player, role player, former first round pick, but I still but think it's at the point where like yeah. if he hits something, like that's something people will remember, like the rookie yeah. getting it done. If if he's on the roster, it's fun that you have to make the caveat like, oh, this guy might not play at all. But Nick Maton feels like the guy. Yeah. Nick Maton absolutely feels like the guy. Um, for some reason, like whenever he is in the major leagues, he absolutely rakes, like for whatever reason. Like he is, I don't have the stats in front of me because I didn't, like I said, this was like an impromptu um, thought experiment. But for some reason, Nick Maton hits so much better in the major leagues than the minor leagues. I don't know why. And I think like the only, like the next, 
logical step is that as he like climbs higher levels, like I think it means he has to be really good in the postseason. That is good logic. I like it. <laughs> it, it does make sense. He's yeah. always does he is he good in spring training? I don't I don't know, but <laughs> I don't I don't know. And also, just like like you said before, like he's a guy that people like. Seems like a little bit of like, I mean I mean it's like in a good way, like kind of a weirdo. Oh yeah, like he's oh, yeah. a little he's like a little strange in a good Dude, way. Dude, he's barking at everybody. Like he the, barks the, and he howls at people. Um, it just it like it definitely feels like a thing where if he has a big moment, he hits a home run late. Um, just a big like RBI single um, to put the team up late. Like people, people will remember that as people remember that kind of stuff. Um, And it's almost like you don't think about that stuff when it hasn't happened for a long time. And it's cool that there's a, there's another opportunity for that kind of stuff to happen. The people, people remember that, um, you know, like Matt stairs, people remember, people remember Eric Bruntlett scoring um, some, some big runs as a, as a pinch runner in, in the 2008 playoffs. Like, I don't know if there's another shot for that to, to happen. That's pretty cool. And the storybook with the 2011 revenge tour, it's like the script is just perfect. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's so true. The Very idea true. of sending of knocking out, Pujols, Molina, Wainwright, sending them to retirement. It's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. And who knows, who knows what's going to happen, but it's, uh, it's fun to talk about. It's fun that they're, they're back in that we have the chance to, to break it all down. So any other, I don't know, any other points that you wanted to hit on before we wrap this up? We kind of touched on everything. didn't we? I think we did just any, all right, we we give a let's do one bold prediction. We gave our 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 choice for the next folk hero in, in Philly's history. Just give me a prediction for this for this series. Brandon Marsh robs a homer. I like that. And it is off the bat of Paul Goldschmidt. All right, that's a good prediction. Hmm. You, like, you prompted out- me for a bull prediction. It didn't have one of your own. You you like outdid what I was gonna say. So now I feel like I have to come up with something like a little bit weirder. Well, what were you gonna say? I was I was gonna just double down on our prediction that Albert Pujols is gonna hit a homer off Brad Hand. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but now like that. but now I feel like it's not good enough. Um, Kyle Kyle Schwarber is gonna lead off game one with a homer. I like it. I, like I think it. he's going to. I could see it. The X Cub too, against that's the Cardinals. That's true. That's true. All right, I think that's going to do oh, it. Oh, one more thought. Sorry, the all fact right, that Saturday's right. game, the fact that Saturday's game is the last game of the day, coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I think it's and, so and, cool. And Sunday, if needed, same thing. Sunday, if needed, that's right. Phillies, that's right. Phillies will be night night games. So night night games in the playoffs, so much better. Like Friday, yeah. Oh, yeah. two p.m. is whatever. Day games don't feel like playoff baseball. I'm sorry. Agreed. Agreed. All right, that'll that'll actually do it for this episode. This was a beast. Yes, over an hour, but it was fun. It was Flipped fun. Lived up to the hype. We we hit on everything. We broke it all down. So everyone, first time in over a decade, Phillies baseball will be here on Friday 
enjoy it while it's here. Who knows when the next time it will be. But thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you after this series.